0: Hello welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast of the Irish Examiner. Now this week we are given a snapshot of how we are in the world. The summary result for Census 2022 was published and they show that among other things there are more people in the state than at any time since the mid-19th century. And that adherence to religion is falling among the population. Here to discuss the results and what it says about us, I'm joined by senior statistician at the CSO, Cormac Halpin. Cormac, you're very welcome. Thanks, Mick. Cormac, if we could start with the big one, quite obviously, population. We have, as I mentioned there, we're at an all-time high to the extent the first time in 150 years, and it's well over 5 million at this stage.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as you mentioned, Mick, um, we we released this week the the summary results from the census, which which uh, people might remember took place in April of last year. And I suppose the, the headline result from the census is that the population has climbed by 8% since the last census, which was in 2016. Um, that's 390,000 people and it's now at 5.15 million, which is the highest population since 1851, which was just towards the end of the famine. So that's that's a real milestone, I think.
0: Very much so. And the other interesting element to it is that this increase is... Um, is broken down between kind of natural uh, difference between births and deaths and then uh, net migration into the country, isn't it?
1: yeah that's that's um uh, data that we release after after every census so the last few censuses the main driver of the population has been natural increase so effectively more people being born than than people dying um the other driver being net migration and and it is the net migration that's primarily driving the the, the population this time round so um we we estimate that 219,000 approximately of that rise came from net migration which is 56% of it with the balance then um, about 167,000 um, or forty four percent coming from natural increase, so that's that's a change um, that I think is primarily attributable on the natural increase side to a decline in birth rates um, since twenty sixteen and, and a gradual, um, more gentle increase in um, in the deaths. So that's that's definitely something that's changed from the last two censuses. Yeah, that's interesting. So I suppose
0: breaking that down in terms of six years, Cormac, you're talking about that migration into the country of around thirty plus thousand a year. Um, Which is very interesting considering presumably the vast majority of those are just coming in here to work.
1: Yeah, well, we have some data in this release. As you mentioned at the top, this is a, this is a snapshot. This, this publication will be producing much more information as, as the year goes on, particularly in areas like migration and diversity. But we know, for example, um, that apparently 200, around 250,000 people indicated that they came to live in Ireland between 2017 and 2022. Um, and, and of that percentage, um, majority of them were, were, were non-Irish nationals. Um, about three quarters of that figure were non-Irish nationals. Um, we will release more information about the age profile of those, um, but certainly based on past censuses, the, the age profile tends to be of working age.
0: It does, and would I be right? In general terms, it tends to be of a younger working age, perhaps we're talking about people in their 20s or 30s. And I'm just what strikes me about that is what is interesting from that perspective is with an ageing population... An influx of younger workers would then suggest we mightn't be as badly off in terms of the ratio of those working versus those dependent, which, as I understand, is decreasing all the time.
1: Yeah, well, just to pick up your last point, there we, we have um, figures in in our report about age dependency, and that is certainly increasing, as you said, as the population ages. There's there's you know proportionately more older people compared to working age population. But yeah, as I said, we can't be definitive as yet because we're still we're still crunching the numbers. Um, like good statisticians, we've you know uh, lots and lots of data to still work through. But certainly based on past experience, um, you know the the preponderance of people who tend to come in. Um, tend to be of working age. Um, so, you know, we've no reason to expect that will be anything different this time around.
0: And do you have any figures, or do you compile figures, or have you a way of knowing, Cormac, in terms of you say, that the people come in, do a certain cohort of those stay a short time and go out again? Or in general terms, is it your experience that they tend to stay here long term?
1: Well, you, you probably wouldn't pick up that kind of detail in the census. I mean the census is really just a a one a one-night in time um, kind of approach but but certainly it's something that the CSO the wider CSO is is looking at um in terms of migration flows because you know there's there's considerable interest I mean both here at home and internationally on migration flows so it's certainly something that we're we're putting a lot of effort into and would hope to produce kind of more detailed statistics on on a regular basis in the the, the coming years.
0: Okay, and then internally, the other interesting issue um, in terms of uh, population increase is uh, geographic. And correct me if I'm wrong, but just my initial look at it, it seems that those increases very much so are more on the eastern seaboard around the greater Dublin area, the counties that surround Dublin, and far less so in the west that that trend, it appears, is still there.
1: Yes, that's that's broadly the trend, Mick. Um, I, I think what's notable this time round uh, for the census is that the population has increased in every county. Um, that wasn't the case between um, the 2011 and 2016, the, the last intercensal period. So the the population growth is most pronounced, as, as you rightly indicate, um, in the east of the country. Um, so counties like Kildare, Mead, um, Fingal, Longford have all yeah, recorded population growth of of over 10% which is higher than the um, the, the average for the country but then if you look at the, the west of the country so counties like Donegal and Kerry have only grown by 5% but I, I think the, the main thing that we've noted is that there is that population growth all the way across the board Um, but I, it's not an unusual trend that the growth has been concentrated in those areas particularly the kind of the, for want of be a better phrase commuter counties around around Dublin.
0: Yeah, that would, that would indicate, and I suppose there's a suggestion of you know, that. Obviously, it's, it's not, probably there's numbers on it, but that, the, the terms of overdevelopment in the greater Dublin area, the commuter counties, possibly at the expense of development in the West. But that's a matter for policymakers and industry and what have you. Now, the other element then with population, Cormac, is the average age, and that again is creeping upwards.
1: Yeah, it's 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 quite a big jump in average age. Now we do have to bear in mind that the census is there's a six year gap between census this time around, when normally we'd have a five year gap, but the average age has gone up from thirty seven point four in twenty sixteen to thirty eight point eight, so nearly thirty nine years in in twenty twenty two. I mean, there's all kinds of interesting statistics that we've released this week to to, to support that. Just an interesting one to 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 throw at you there. Um, the the number of not to four year olds is down fifteen percent, which you know reflects that that um, what we talked about in terms of the birth rate. Whereas the number of people who are eighty five and over is up twenty five percent, and as I said, that's kind of repeated across the board. So the number of people who indicated they were retired, for example, on the the, the census form, has also increased significantly since um, since twenty sixteen. So it's it's a very clear trend there that the population is is growing and it's also growing older. So the birth
0: rate is declining. Um, Corbett wouldn't seem th- that decline seems to have accelerated a small bit over the last five or six years.
1: Yeah, well, just to kind of give you a a bit of data on it, it, Mick. So um, the birth rate uh, or the number of births in 2016 was was 64,000 whereas the number of births in 2022 um, was 57,000. Now, 2022 is the whole year as, a, as opposed to just the census, but that gives an indication of, of how it's been declining. It, it's, it's a relatively gentle decline, but it is a noticeable decline, and it has been happening for, for quite a number of years now. And, and just in terms of deaths, um, there was 33,000 deaths in, in 2016 and, and 31,000, so it's a little bit more static, but it's certainly the declining um, birth rate that's impacting upon the natural increase that we're seeing in the census. And tell me, in terms of European-wide, Cormac, I know at one stage people
0: suggested that notwithstanding our ageing population, we were pretty young relative to a lot of Western European countries. Does that still apply or are we
1: catching up with them, do you know? Um, well it's it's a bit of both it it does it does still apply we would be in, in general younger than most not not all um European countries um but that that average age increase um which is is a crude measure of of, of the age of the population um but it is you know a relatively big jump um between censuses between 16 and 22 so we're, we're certainly going in the direction uh, that most European countries are going
0: and so would I be right that you could extrapolate from that nearly that we're going to have a declining workforce and as of now, what would be filling some of that gap, but most likely not all, is migration into the country in order to keep up towards some way the the, the ratio of those working versus those dependent. Do you know what I mean? That in, in, in terms of the workforce that are effectively supporting those who will be dependent, but under people who aren't working and people who are retired, in order to ensure that that's relatively big enough, we're going to have to increase a certain amount of migration um, in order to fill the gap
1: through the the, the ageing population. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the CEO the, the is always, always a bit careful when we get into extrapolating right. and, and predicting um, future trends in the data. But, you know, certainly based on what we've seen uh, between 2016 and, and 2022 in terms of, of births and deaths and natural increase, um, yeah, that will mean that if that trend was to continue going forward, um, you know, the population would continue to age. We would see more people retired um, and a relatively smaller cohort of the working population to, to support them, if you want to think of it that way. Um, and one possible route um, to increasing the, the the younger working cohort is, is through inward migration. Um, but again, you know, that's, that's extrapolating trends yeah. and we've seen in the past that trends can change between censuses.
0: Yeah. um, One thing I noticed here, I just looked back over previous ones, just kind of an indication of how much we are ageing. Um, the year 2000, the average age was 31.8, and in 1980, 26.3. So that really shows the, 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 the amount we're ageing by. But of course, we're coming from a scenario whereby we had pretty big families here for a very long time. That's changed completely as the country's developed and We've become more in line with other European countries and what have you in that, but it, it, is, it is stark and it is definitely something that um, policymakers are going to have to take into account in a, a major way.
1: To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at IrishExaminer.com forward slash subscribe. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
0: Cormac, just turning to religion. Always an interesting one. I see we've about eighteen hundred uh, Jedi. What is it, Jedi warriors? <laughs> <laughs> Jedi knights. I'm not sure. Jedi if Jedi knights. Religions. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> have we declining Catholic population?
1: Yeah. So I mean, this this is a, another trend that's been happening for for quite a while. Religion is an interesting um, uh, concept or, or or question because it's been on the census for 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 quite a long time. I mean it's it's been asked in different ways um over over the years. Um it's even changed between 2016 and 2022 when the the, the question was slightly changed. But yeah, in general there has been a, a long-term decline in the proportion of the population who indicate that they're Roman Catholic. Um so between 2016 and 2022, the proportion who indicated they're Roman Catholic fell from 79% of the population in, in 16 to sixty nine percent, so that's a ten percent percentage point decline between the two periods. Um, which again, it's it's over six years, but it, it's it's quite a big fall in in relative terms. So we have been asked what's the impact that the question change had on that because the the key aspect of the question change was that no religion became the first category, whereas Roman Catholic was the first category last time round. It, it's it's difficult to to you know quantify the impact that the question change had, but we did change. Uh, we did some testing on the question change before we implemented it on the form, and we did. Find that the results the new question produced was quite similar to the um the results of the 2016 question so it it looks from that that you know the the decline um may be a kind of a a natural occurrence over time There, there probably is some impact to the question but um it's certainly something that we've we've seen for for quite a number of years
0: yeah, I suppose it's that. And uh, as I understand the question, is what, what is your religion, if any? Was Is that the way it was framed? Yeah, that, that, that if any, it's nearly as if it gives people who would be, if I could describe this religion when I'd be very familiar with myself, lapsed Catholic, it gives them that moment's pause to think, well, am I a Catholic or not? Or whatever, which is, I'll be honest with you, I think it's, it, it, it probably makes for more accurate um, delving down into what the actual situation is. And what about other religions then, Carmel? what's Is we any particularly fast-growing religion, particularly perhaps from those who might be coming into the country?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the second biggest group is actually is not a religion, if that's not a, a contradiction. So the people who indicated they had no religion increased from, from 10% of the population to, to 14% of the population. So that's nearly three-quarters of a million people um, indicated they had no religion this time round. Um, but yeah, if you look at the, the the kind of the other big religions, one of the the, the big growth areas, for example, was Hindu, um, which ties in with the the significant increase in number of of Indian citizens who arrived between twenty sixteen and and twenty twenty two. So there was a one hundred and forty percent increase in, in Hindu. So it, it's relatively small numbers compared to to, to Roman Catholic, for example, but it went from fourteen thousand to thirty three thousand. Um, and and you you kind of see that when you look at the religions in the census, you see religions like Christian Orthodox becoming um, more prominent, you know, primarily due to, to inward migration from Eastern Europe. So the the religion question, you know, with the exception of some of the the maybe more unusual ones like Jedi Knights that you, you mentioned, tends to reflect, you know, the kind of the socio demographic profile of the population, which is which is always interesting to look at.
0: It is, and and going back again because it's just a, a separate. Project I was involved. I looked back at the census in 1961, and I think the actual figure for no religion in total was 1,102 people, which is fascinating when you think about it in a country then, let's for argument's sake say, was two plus million, maybe two and a half million, and by 71 that went up to nearly 2,000. And as you said there, something like 750,000 now have put down no religion. I mean, that shows you, that is, is, is fascinating, the changing society um, that is shown there. Um, okay, well, and moving on to health. One thing I saw interesting in terms of, of some of the elements of health, again, because a real snapshot of uh, society, is in relation to carers' um Carbuck and particularly unpaid carers?
1: Yeah, so the the number of unpaid carers has has gone up quite a bit since 2016. And and again, I'm going to give this this boring statistician's caveat for interpreting the numbers. So they've gone up from 195,000 in 2016 to nearly 300,000, so a 54% rise. Um, The question on unpaid carers in the Census form did change quite a lot between 2016 and 2022. So it it became more all-encompassing. So the question asked about providing not just help, but also support Um, and it indicated that the categories of people that might be cared for, so family members, neighbours or a friend with a long-term illness, health issue, or an issue related to old age or disability. So that was a lot more kind of expansive, if you like, than the question that was there in 2016. Um, again, which may have had an impact on the, the, the number of, of people that indicated that they were caring. But, you know, it also might be related to the fact that the population is getting older. And, and we know that, you know, older people tend to have more requirements for caring possibly. Um, so, you know, I think between those, those, two, um, those two phenomena, um, we've seen quite a big jump in the number of carers. And was there a particular
0: age cohort in their 50s that, that, that represented a, quite a considerable section
1: of those? Yeah, that's where the age where most people are, are most likely to be doing their their caring, which again is is quite possibly an, an indication of um, you know the, the the aging population and maybe you know people providing care for for a spouse. But we will produce more detail on on the carers and, and maybe some information about the, the type of people that are living with them. I mean, it, the caring isn't always for people in the same household, but oftentimes it is. So we'll be able to look at the age profile of of people in the household with the carers, and we do more dedicated work on that later in the year.
0: No education. Um, A drop again, which is a very positive thing, I think, in societal terms, in the number of people who finished their education before they were 15. And what looks to me like a big rise in the number of those who hadn't finished their education by the time they were 25.
1: Yeah, and this is another long-term trend that we've seen in in census figures. So the the first figure you referred to there, the people who finished their education before the age of fifteen, went from one hundred eighty three thousand people down to one hundred fifty fifty thousand people between sixteen and twenty two. So that's that's a drop of sixteen percent. Um, I think you know a major driving factor there is it, it tends to be kind of older people. Um, who have ceased their education, you know, at primary level or in early secondary school level. Um, and as as people um, of that age cohort maybe pass away between censuses, that, that number tends to drop. Um, and then conversely, as you mentioned, um, you know, people with, with higher levels of education goes up. And again, this is something we've seen over time the number of people who didn't finish their education until they were into their late 20s if you like after 25 went up 48% from 255,000 to 375,000 and and a kind of corollary is that is the number of people with honours degrees up 36% from 331,000 to to 450,000 so yeah as we as we kind of move on uh, in time the population is is getting higher educated i think that's a, a fair assessment of it
0: it is and and that's full-time education i presume come Is it's a that's full time education. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so we're, people we're, might we're have talking kind of about other. generally speaking. Well, my interpretation maybe I'm wrong, but generally speaking, you're talking about there if somebody's in full time education at 25 or late 20s, they're doing post grads, PhDs, or something beyond a primary degree, which is as they call it fourth level. No, which is. Um, I, at the very least a large cohort of those would be accounted for by that, which is interesting how educated we um, as a country seem to be getting
1: now. Right, housing. What have we got in housing? Um, well, the, the, the first thing I'd say is that um, some of the, the statistics that, that certainly generated the most amount of attention the last time we did a census, which was around the, the size of the housing stock and um, the vacancy level, aren't included in this report, so we will be producing um, a dedicated report on housing at the end of July. But, you know, there's lots of interesting stuff that we have produced uh, in this report. It it pertains to to occupied housing, so we haven't looked at the unoccupied homes as as part of this. So the the key statistic, I suppose, reflects the population is that the number of occupied dwellings um, that were occupied on the night of the census increased from 1.7 million in 2016 to 1.84 million um, in 2022. So that's a jump of 8% in line with the um, the population. I think what's possibly generated the most amount of interest is the profile of the ownership of those dwellings. So we've seen a drop um, of in the proportion of people who own their own home from 68% in 2016 down to 66% this time round. But I think to me what's almost more interesting is if you look within those categories, um, the number of people who owned their own home with a mortgage or a loan fell from 536,000 to 531,000 so not, not a huge fall there but the interesting one is that the number of people who own their home without a mortgage um, so you know maybe people who've, who've bought their home or completed their mortgage went up 12% from 612,000 to 680,000 so that could be another reflection of the aging population that there's you know proportionately more older people and, and more them tend to own their own home um, so that's 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 an interesting one. The the rentals then is up from three hundred ten thousand to three hundred thirty one thousand, a jump of seven percent, um, and the, the number of people who who rent from a local authority also up seven percent to one hundred fifty three thousand. Yeah, that is interesting,
0: and it's uh, just quick one there you mentioned home ownership got sixty eight to sixty six thousand, and I know it's 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 been out there, but I suppose just in relation to the. Um, public debate and so much of it that is on housing, we're still talking there about two-thirds of the people um, owning their own home, which is interesting enough and might explain why, in in terms of some policy decisions in government, why they're treading carefully or whatever. Uh, Also, as you say, people renting increasing again, that's obviously another part of that that trend – One other thing then, um, which I must say I was interested in, Cormac, the number of uh, people speaking the Irish language.
1: Yeah, so uh, again, the the headline figure there is is an increase. So um, the number of people um, who said they spoke Irish increased from um, 1.76 million to 1.87 million in 2022, so that's a jump of 6%. Um, I think, you know, digging into that number, um, it's interesting to see the number of people who spoke the language daily outside the education system. So it doesn't include um, children in school. It fell marginally from 74,000 down to 72,000. We, we've also produced new statistics. Um, the question on the Irish language um, was expanded in um, in 2022 to look at the, the level of fluency that the people who speak the language have. Um, and it tends to be younger people, um, particularly in their, their 20s and 30s, who uh, indicated they can speak the language most fluently. It falls off then again until we get to much older people in their 70s and 80s. Um, who indicate that they speak the language very well too, so that's that's new new data new statistics um that' uh, I'm sure the, the people involved in the in the domain will be very interested in seeing definitely It's wonderful. Well, some
0: to do it, the Gaelic called the phenomenon others to do it people might still have a bit from school uh, and you know it, it is fashionable definitely to be speaking irish was in some circles but i i i maybe i'm just a cynic or maybe maybe it's because of the appalling. Uh, standard of my own Irish. I'm a bit sceptical when I see such high numbers of people uh, and I just wonder. Um, on, on that, Cormac, it's um, the, the, the actual census form from which the CSO draws all of these stats. Um, do you place a high degree of trust in it? I mean, I suppose you've no choice, really, in terms of how it's answered and that sort of thing and, and how much of an actual reflection that is, as to how the, the country is in relation to these all these
1: areas? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to me, you know, I've worked in the census for, for quite a while that the the proof of the pudding is in the eating. It, it always astounds me about the, the range of, of people, organisations... You know, both national, international, that 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 rely on census data to to conduct their business. You know, we we always talk about. You know, it's been used. It's used for you know planning schools, roads, um, you know, transport networks and so on, which is which is absolutely true. Um, but you know, all the way down to kind of local historians, up to international organisations, there's there's a huge amount um of 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 demand for the data that we produce. and um, I I think which was reflected in the amount of media coverage um that that came out this week. Um, I think we actually—I mentioned a competitor here. We got a live blog on the Irish Times at the time, um, which I thought was only reserved for football matches. So it was, it was great <laughs> to be in that kind of rarefied atmosphere. But yeah, it's, it's 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 you know it's it's trusted and relied on by a very very wide range of organisations. Um, and you know we've been told lots of times that if if the census data wasn't there, their work would effectively become guesswork. You know this kind of puts hard numbers on um, on you know it's the evidence based policy that so many organisations, not just government ones, require. You know, we know lots of private organisations, supermarkets and so on, you know, use census data to make decisions about where they locate their business as well. So it, it's 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 very, very valuable. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a very trusted source as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, no question about that. And then is, is is from here on now, Carl? W- w- once you've delivered these summary results, will there be a series of reports over how long that that will delve down into particular areas? Is, is is that how it'll operate now for the next period going forward?
1: Yeah, that's 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 the thinking, Mick. Um effectively the, the report that we released this week was kind of like an executive summary. You know, we're we're very conscious that it's six years since we produced census data. Um, you know, the, the census was due to take place in twenty one, but but for obvious reasons related to COVID, it, it couldn't go ahead in twenty one. Um and you know, so all those users I mentioned, they've been clamoring for census data since then. So we felt the duty to release as much information as we could as early as possible. Um, so that's what we've done this week. But we will now take the opportunity over the rest of the year to really dig into the data to, to, you know, look in more depth at some of those areas we talked about and tease out, you know, people often ask why has this happened or and so on and, and often digging into the data can, can reveal and, and shed more light on, on why that's happened. So we will be producing thematic releases on areas like health and disability, um, on diversity and migration, on commuting, um, on, on work and employment all the way through the year. Um, we we have other uh, statistical releases planned, like we're doing a joint one with the Northern Irish Statistical Office next year, uh, kind of an all island publication, which will be coming out maybe around this time next year. So, yeah, we've we've lots of stuff uh, planned. So for for a statistician, that's that's banner from heaven. We've get to immerse ourselves in the data for the next year or so.
0: I can well imagine. Yeah, and finally, Carbrook, as you say, because of COVID, this was originally supposed to be twenty one. And going into the future now, will the next one be five years time or will it be four years time? Will it be 26 or 27 after this? Will you, go, will, will you make up that extra year or will it just be five years out from 22?
1: Well, it's, it's going to be in 2027, Mick. And, and the main reason for that is because it's, it's, it's going to be a very transformative census. So we're, we're, we're planning and working towards um, a digital census um, so most countries um, that do the census the way we do it, which is actually very few countries, um, believe it or not, um, certainly we're almost unique in, in the European context of doing the census this way. But certainly most of the English speaking countries, so the UK, the US, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, would do what we call a traditional census, which is where you go out and ask the people questions. Um, they would all have an online census, and, and that's where we're heading for next time round. Um, there's, there's a considerable amount of work and unfortunately for some of our colleagues in some of those countries there's been some bad experiences with going online so you know it, it will take us time uh, to get that up and running for 2027 but that is our plan that you know you won't at first instance in 27, get a numerator knocking on your door and, and, and dropping the form in. Um, you'll receive a letter um, inviting you to, to log on, put in a, a PIN code and complete your, um, your census return either on your phone, your tablet or whatever the technology is going to be in 2027. 20, I wouldn't like to predict the way AI is going, but that's, that's what we're working towards. So it'll be a different experience for everybody, but hopefully it'll still deliver the same high, high quality data that, that people are used to. And that's interesting just from one
0: point of view, maybe again, it's my own um, <laughs> foibles or whatever, but. Do you have any information on those countries that have done that, whether the response rate is as high when it's done digitally rather than dropping it in door to door?
1: Well, there's, there's an interesting anecdote almost on, on that one. Um, the, the UK, well, England and Wales, I should say, held their census in 2021, uh, in March 21, which was right in the teeth of the COVID pandemic. They got a staggeringly high response rate, which our colleagues from the UK would tell us is because people had nothing else to do. They were locked down, so they were happy <laughs> to do their census form. So I wouldn't be wishing the pandemic on us for 27. But yeah, it, it does introduce challenges, and we're, we're very conscious of that. You know, we, we've long kind of extolled the virtues that there's nothing as, as, as good as having having an enumerator knocking on your door, you know, coming back, sometimes asking you to get the form back. So there will have to be a change. And, you know, I I think for us, awareness is going to be absolutely crucial. You know, we do put a lot of effort into our our awareness campaign, our publicity campaign, that the time capsule was part of that for 2022. that's going to have to be ramped up even more because not everybody's going to have somebody knocking on their door. They, they certainly will have someone knocking on the door if they don't complete the forum online <laughs> um, to, to ensure we get that high coverage rate. But, uh, you know, ultimately, we 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 are looking for cooperation from the public, you know, and, and if we get it, we can deliver these high-quality results. And, you know, sometimes you hear that, that people saying it's a hassle and so on, but, you know, the, the social capital and the social good that comes out of having this this data is, is really enormous. Um, and there have been studies done in the UK and, and other countries that show, you know, the... the the value that a census delivers to decision makers and it dwarfs the amount that it actually costs to undertake a census so you know we do rely on people's cooperation and we'll be relying on that again in in, in 27.
0: Absolutely and as you say it is fascinating because it really does particularly in today's world it's actually a rare example of real hard evidence of what the, the story is and I suppose that is why people are most fascinated by it and we will see over the coming months the various reports that the CSO follow up with when you when you um, do deep dives, as the phrase goes, into a lot of these areas. Cormac Halpin, thank you very much for joining us today and filling us in on that. Thanks, Mick. Uh, as I always like to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you, folks, for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Take it easy.